Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use Clojure and the functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Okay, so my thesis is that Clojure enables long-term sustained productivity for your team, right? And so part of mm-hmm. that productivity right. comes from increasing expressiveness, right? And uh, part of that productivity comes from getting rid of very common sources of combinatorial complexity. So sources that just add up. Right. And so there isn't like a silver bullet, but Mm -hmm. it is the accumulation of expressiveness over time. You know, a little bit more expressiveness over time really adds up. And getting rid of problems over time really adds Mm up. So that's it. So it's it's like you're not going to, you know, try closure on one thing and go, wow, that was 10x. But you are going to see that in the long term, you're going to really see the the compounding of that of the returns on that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of like the big benefit that I see to using closure. Yeah. And I think to to expand on what you said, greater expressiveness. And I think it's you also get greater expressiveness and less incidental complexity brought on by the language and the tool chain and all that other stuff. So not only is, are you more expressive so you can have fewer lines of code, but more of the code is solving the problem and instead of feeling boilerplate. So therefore, there's fewer lines of code. And because there's fewer lines of code, there's less, like, there's less to look at. Right. There's less that you have to process through as a developer because you're always coming back to, to code. You're never... You're never you're not, you're, you're, you never have all the code in your head as you work on a project. As you work on a project, you, there's parts that are in your head and parts that are no longer in your head. And so when you go back to those, you need to be able to understand them. And so if more of the stuff there is your problem and not the code or not the you know, language or whatever, then... I mean, just that by itself, not even like the whole like functional programming, get rid rid of lots of problems already, but just the fact that it's just the expressiveness, the pound for pound expressiveness is what will get you farther. Like that's another aspect. Yes. And, and so to, to elaborate on that, part of that is because we now functional programming and closure core specifically gives names to certain patterns. So now you can refer to those patterns by names and, and cause you can only hold so much in your mind at one time. And so exactly. holding, holding a well understood abstraction. So a, a map or a filter or a reduce, mm-hmm. right. You can hold that in, in your mind as opposed to some kind of like recursive loop or some kind of, um, you know, iteration processing, that that maybe wouldn't have a standard name. You know, map map and reduce have entered the vernacular in programming in general, right. thanks to big data processing. But there's so many more of these things, right? There, there's juxt, there's remove, there's um, I don't know, I can't, I don't have code in front of me. But yeah. And so that let, lets you hold things at a higher level, but yet still very clearly because they're well yes. defined. Right. Because 
all of the verbs in Clojure work on all the data structures, and you tend to use those on everything, they become more powerful. And because they're more powerful with using the same amount of space on your screen, that means that you're able to do more with less code. And uh, and then, again, more with less code just by itself is, is an amazing thing. You know, not even getting into the whole how immutability takes out a whole class of problems or how... Right. You know, functional programming and not having to escort all your verbs around with nouns. That how that like there's a whole bunch right. of other things too that help either make it concise or easy to understand. Right. But just just the extreme power is is one aspect. Right. So so that's the expressiveness side. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so then on the expressiveness side, the challenge is that all of these new pieces they all have names and concepts associated with them. And you're not going to know them unless you've learned functional programming before, right? So even if you're an expert programmer, you can't really take advantage of functional programming until you, you learn these things, right? And, and it's not, and, and then the implementation strategies change, especially because of immutability. Mm-hmm. So, so all these concepts are new. Some of the ways you go about implementing things is new, and and just trying to power through and figure that out on your own um, is a is a substantial feat, right? right? So, so now you're going to feel like this programming language is terrible because you get nothing done in it, or or you can do the tiny toy problems that you find like in the cones or on the internet, like how to use this one function, but you can't go from that one function to a mid-level design, like right. a, a medium-sized piece of software. Like you don't know how to go from, because all of the patterns that you've known and grown up with over the course of your career or college or whatever is all about object-oriented programming, which is all about, it's just a very, like it's all about, I mean, the whole idea of place-oriented programming and and mutability and changing things in in, in that that way of, of approaching a problem is so fundamentally different to the uh, the data flow transforming data as it goes through. You know, right? Uh, the way that you do things in Clojure, it's so different that you don't know how to build up bigger things. Like you can do tiny things, but tiny things are toys. You want big things. You want to solve problems. Right. Yeah. Imperative semantics in the small. I would say, I have found at least are easier to jump over to, let's say, functional semantics, right? It's it's easier in the small. In oh, the small. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's easier for me to go from looping through an array and then picking values out of that and, and appending them onto some other, you know, dynamic array. Right. And then, and, and going to, oh, a filter, right? Or, or looping through an array and changing everything, going to map or, or, or selecting a range like, um, you know, back out, right? It's easier. But then where moving to functional semantics, especially with immutability, gets really challenging is when it begins to affect the flow of information within the application, right? So now, mm-hmm. now it's not a small adaptation of thinking in this little region of the code, but now it affects how you structure and organize everything. <laughs> and and it, and if you're you're without some guiding principles or some, you know, experience, you just spend a lot of time. Boy, how how do I even do this? Right. Yeah. 
I, I, yeah, I don't know how to build this kind of house. In, in closure and functional programming, it's all about, you know, the way the data flows through. And in object-oriented, it's all about you're very used to changing things in place. And so it's just, it's the way that the code flows. It's not just the data flow, but because the data is immutable, it affects the way the da- the, that it flows through your system. Yes, yes. And so the structure, how you organize, how you connect the parts, sure, you want to make things modular, but like, what are those modules? How, how, how does stuff interact with them? You're not generally keeping state inside each of these modules. So, so where does the state live? Right. State, state usually tends to be its own thing that then other things look at, but but you don't know how to have data outside of objects. So how do you even do that? But in, you know, in closure, you're used to data running around by itself. <laughs> it's yes, free. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so thus, thus the challenge of functional programming for the object oriented developer, even the highly experienced object oriented, dare I say, imperative developer, um, because it's so different, right? So different. But all of these things are just habits. They're just ways of doing things. You know, either they were taught in school or they're something you learned over, over time. And so how did you learn that habit? Like, can't you just learn functional programming in the way that you learn that habit? Can you just go back 20 years and do everything over again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you that's, can. that's the problem. Is I mean, like, you can learn the new habits. Right. I'm 20 years in and I don't want to spend 20 years learning this again. Right. So is there a shortcut? Is there a way? So how, so how I mean, what is the shortcut? Like, right. You can't tell someone how to do something different. You have to show them. Like, is it only be a demonstration? Yeah, yeah. So part of it is beginning to use it, right? And sure. And then learning some new ways of organizing and structuring things. But a lot of the same operational thinking that you have honed as a developer in general will come along mm-hmm. as you start to kind of remap some of these. So it's not. Complete, completely from scratch because right. in the end, it's a big procedure, right? You're, you're instructing automation. And so there's things that come along with that in general, right? right. And yeah. so, so there is a way. And so mm-hmm. that's what we uh, strive to discuss in this podcast is some of, those, some of those remaps to your thinking and some of those other ways of doing things to be successful in functional programming. And a little, just a little above the toy. Because above, just above the toy is what gets you out of the toys. And then above that, like you have to go in levels. You can't go all the way from zero to, to, to done. Yes, that's a good Otherwise, point. you're going to pull a hamstring. <laughs> like you're going to just, you're going to hurt yourself. Especially after 20 years, <laughs> yes. you're probably older. You know, you wake up in the morning and you slept wrong. And your bad hurt, back hurts, you know. Yeah, yeah. Same, same, same exact thing. You don't want to pull anything. You got to stretch. Anyway. Right. <laughs> all right. That was fun. Yes, that was fun. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you, our dear listeners. So if you have any questions or anything else you'd like to send us, go ahead and send us a tweet, or should I call that a post now? Uh, So confusing. You know, Twitter, X, whatever. At Closure (laughs) Design. Or an email to feedback at closuredesign.club. Or hop into the Closure Design podcast channel on the Clojurian Slack and ask us a question there. 
And uh, the last thing is you can find our show notes and past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.